Welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Ben Shalati. And I'm Charlie Bird. Each episode, we discuss a question we commonly get asked as LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. We're not trying to answer this question or come for consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, how could coming out affect my marriage? Ben and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, <laughs> wait, what was it? <laughs> that we both call before texting. We both call before texting. <laughs> Meaning, no, we don't call before we text someone. Sorry. But like, rather than text, we, like, I would rather, we rather just take a call. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. That's our similarity. <laughs> <laughs> the difference is we both answer the phone in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ben answers it by saying, talk to me. I just said, I say, talk to me. I started doing this thing where I say it at the same time as him. And he's like, wait, what? Oh, no, that's my line. <laughs> okay. So this is one of those things that started out as a joke and then it just became a real thing. Yeah. So I had a boss actually when I lived in Mexico for the summer who would answer the phone, talk to me. And we all made fun of him. So I would do it, talk to me. And then I just never stopped. And now it's like, <laughs> now it's like a thing. You became your worst <laughs> but the thing is like people who don't know i answer the phone that way when they hear me answer that they they, they, they they laugh, that's cute, they laugh. That's yeah cute. and sometimes you say Habla, babe. i do yeah which is spanish for talk to how me. do i answer the phone you say yeah no i don't you sure do you, <laughs> probably just with you i don't no. think i do that with everyone yeah i call you and you're like yeah i'm like hey charlie <laughs> i say what's up <laughs> you do that too hey but what's up there's like a uh-huh yeah, <laughs> I'm here. Talk to me. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, I don't care how you answer. I'm just glad you answer because <laughs> you don't always answer. Anyway, so we like to provide a variety of voices and perspectives. And today we're joined by Liv Mendoza Haynes. Actually, it's Jessica Livier Mendoza de la Vega Haynes. Oh. Jessica Livier. Livier. Mendoza. Mendoza. De la Vega. De la Vega Haynes. Haynes. Yeah. Well, I like it. Well, you can call me Liv. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Liv, you're from War Up now. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, tell us about yourself, Liv. Oh, act, well, yeah, tell us about yourself. Then I have more things to say about you. <laughs> okay. Well, I am actually from California. Plot twist. <gasps> I was born in California, but I was raised in Mexico. Which part of Mexico? In Tijuana. What's better, Tijuana or Juarez? I've never been to Juarez. I've never been to Tijuana. And I'm afraid of being disrespectful to people from Juarez, from what I've heard. We don't so have, we don't have, they're both you don't have great. <laughs> we don't have many listeners in Juarez. So. You never know. But yeah, I grew up in Tijuana um, in a Catholic family. I was always very religious. I would say more than any other member of my family. But I always question things like uh, when I went to Catholic school and I remember they wanted me to kneel and kiss the cross. And I was like, no, but the Bible says this and that. And they were like, wait, you actually read it? I'm like, yes. <laughs> uh, so with all these questions and everything, uh, I'm sorry, when I was in college, I met the missionaries and I started taking the lessons and challenging them because, again, I was actually reading stuff. That's cool and got baptized, served a mission in Mexico City, Northwest Mission. Yeah, go Noroeste, yeah. Chilanga. I'm proud to that. <laughs> I love it. Them. And um, after my mission, well, I graduated college, I graduated from law school in Mexico, and then one of my mission, one of my friends invited me to conference, general conference to Utah. I came for a weekend, and then my, fa- my friend and her family were like, oh, why don't you move here? I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, sure. So yeah. I went back home, packed my bags. My mom was like, tu estas loca, which means you're crazy, and asked me to stay at least until her birthday. So General Conference was in October. Her birthday was on February 10th. 
I took a flight on February 11th. Uh, wow. And that was nice of you to stay. Yeah, I mean, did I you make a cake? I'm a good daughter. I'm not a traditional Mexican daughter, but I'm a good daughter. Um, and yeah, I moved here um, 2015. And later on that year, after dating as many guys as were willing to date me, I realized I was not into guys. Which is funny because I actually had had girlfriends in the past, but I was straight. Uh-huh. So it's kind of a weird situation of not like co- that, really coming. Yeah, we to we had girlfriends like like girls you would like go on dates with and kiss and hold hands with. I had girlfriends that my friends met and I dated them for months and everything. But whenever people would ask me like, "Oh, then you're a lesbian," I was like, "No, I'm straight. I just happen to have a girlfriend." Mm-hmm. It's kind of like now that I'm like, I'm married. But I'm queer, <laughs> so I just like spicing things up. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, okay, just a little bit about me. So you identify, you self-identify as queer, and you're married to a man. Yes, I'm, I identify as queer. I've gone through several different labels throughout my journey: straight dating women, straight not dating anyone, lesbian, gay. Um, at some point, I question my gender, but then I realize now I just like wearing lipstick, but not all the time and do the hair and everything. So, and eventually I came to terms with queer. It just felt like perfect. Like it didn't have questions in my heart or my mind whenever I say queer, but I married a man. I have a child. Uh, my baby is 15 months now. And my husband born and raised in the U S born in California. We met, on mutual. He's like a quintessential white guy. <laughs> he loves dinosaurs. Everyone who meets him knows that. And one of the reasons that I married him is because just as much as I love unicorns, he loves dinosaurs. So then we just fused them together and it became perfect. Oh, you have a scaly unicorn with claws. Yes. You both <laughs> you both love myth- mythical animals. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, so you at this time, had like ident- were self-identifying as queer, but you were on mutual to find yes. a husband. Yes. Yeah, so talk to us about that. Okay. <laughs> well, one of the biggest things is when I was going on my mission. So even before I had come out and to myself or to anyone and everything, um, my bishop at that time back home in Mexico would set me up on dates mm-hmm. um, and kind of push me to not serve a mission. But I really felt that I had to serve a mission. It was on my patriarchal blessing. It would answer to my prayers and everything. And one of the things that I received as a revelation for myself was that I had to serve a mission because that's how I was going to form my family. So I was terrified of going on my mission, though, because I knew even if though I wasn't identifying as queer or anything, I was afraid of falling in love with one of my companions. Yeah, And then people... Like, I don't know, just confusing things, but I always say that I was blessed with unattractive companions to me, to me, by my standards and my time. <laughs> if you were listening, live things were ugly. I love you all, sisters. Um, but well, part, part of it, too, is like, I, I feel like the fashion of a sister missionary is just not it. Well, and a, a sister missionary the shoes. in the, and it was 2013. So yeah. before we could actually be a little bit more. Oh, we were on a mission at the same time. Oh, there you go. Are we the same age? I don't think so. I'm probably older than you. you have to Respect your, your elderly, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 33. I don't have a problem. I'm proud. Um, but yeah, so I went on my mission and I was terrified. 
and I did not fall in love with any of my companions. So I was lucky with that. But when I moved to Utah, I was introduced to YSA words. And I was like, I thought being forced to a certain degree to date by my bishop in Mexico was bad. Why is it words were even a worse experience for me? Oh, new level. Because it's like I felt in my experience like everything revolved around dating, even ministering. And that really upset me. Like there was an instance in which I had already come out to myself and to a few people and I thought it was important to come out to my bishop. So I came out to him. And one of the first things he did was out me to the war council. And then the... Uh, what's it called? The Elder Squirrel. My conversation when they were assigning, uh, visiting, mm-hmm. doing visiting assignments and stuff, and they said like, "Oh, there's no point in assigning someone to visit Liv because she's attracted to women, so uh. there's like no point because we do this to meet girls, meet girls and stuff." What? And the information. <laughs> this has got to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, the information leaked because one of my friends was in the Elder Scroll presidency and he stood up for me and then That's came good. to my house and told me and everything. And I was like, no, this has to be addressed. And yeah, administrative isn't just for dating. Yeah. That's why like... family works up administrative. <laughs> it's like actually not for dating. It's, it's, it's very frustrating when like the point of going to church isn't connect to connect with Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, Anyway, so sorry that happened. I was like, I'm trying to do everything that I can to be faithful. I'm coming every Sunday. I'm doing my visits. I'm fulfilling my calling and everything. But I also need support. Like, just imagine I'm someone who is learning the language, who doesn't have family here. Um, The friend that I was going to move in with, it ended up like I lived with her family for a while. But then I moved on. I lived, I moved to Syracuse and then I moved to Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. So I ended up in a, in a kind of place that I pretty much didn't have any ties. My only family in my head was supposed to be my ward. Mm-hmm. And then I hear that, and especially with someone like I was starting to come out and to tell people, and this is the reaction that I was like, uh, I don't know how this is going to work. Yeah. So I took pauses, left and came back for seasons. I called in my Mormon vacation. So sometimes I was like, oh, I've had enough of the church. I'm going to take a break, and then I'm going to come back. And fast forward, I went to the temple and I had an experience in which I saw my, like, I saw my husband and two kids and I couldn't see my husband's face, which I would have appreciated. That would have made it Like, that would have saved me many bad days. (laughs) What's she look like? (laughs) (laughs) But um, I could see the two kids calling me mom and that was the day that was like, okay, this is what I have to do I'm not sure how I'm gonna do it but also I think in the past it hadn't worked with any of the guys because Mm -hmm. I still had a lot of shame and resentment and things that I had to work through and I thought that being attracted to women it was something that I could overcome Mm -hmm. and I wasn't like embracing it and then I signed up for mutual they a couple of people, they did one guy who was a little out there and I would say abusive um, to a certain degree. But in my mind, I was like, well, but he's doing me a favor. Like he knows I'm attracted to women and he's still uh, uh. attracted to me. Well, I was brainwashed, um, ended up that and then met my husband, Matthew. And I'm the kind of person that 
I I'm not like, oh yeah, sweet and soft and tenacious. You can probably see from my personality. So I always made fun of people that were like, I saw him across the hall and knew he was the love of my life. I saw my husband on my first date and I was like, this is the guy I'm marrying. Like wow. I know he's the one. And he's the first person, the first guy that I dated that I came out to right after our first date. Mm. So I sent him a text and I was like, dude, this is the whole package. This is what you're getting. This is why you're getting. You want it? <laughs> Spicy Latina with ex-girlfriends. <laughs> Are you in? And I'll never forget his answer, even though he has forgotten. So I'm planning on printing the text and just placing it around the house. <laughs> um, but he said, I don't care who you're attracted to. I care, I care about who you decide to love. And I can tell that that's the savior. Oh. And when he said that, I was like, this is the first time that a guy, I would get very similar reactions from guys, either ghost me or they'll be like, oh, so tell me about it. Or the insecurities coming through right now. It's like, oh, does that mean there's double the chance you're going to cheat on me? I'm like, dude, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not attracted to all women. And, and the, we, like, we learned about your companions. And also yeah. like. Being gay does not mean you're like promiscuous yeah. or that you don't have morals or that you're cheating. Uh, that's anyway. I feel like people just automatically make a lot of people make that connection of yeah. like, oh, you're gay. You don't date anyone more than three months. And I don't know, you're in other apps that I'm not going to mention that are non mutual. And, right. Like my values, even before I was Mormon, like my sense of fidelity and relationships and love and everything, honesty, it's something that I learned from my parents, even as a Catholic. Yeah. And like my parents have been married for, I think over 40 years. I haven't even lost track. They were first like love, like love and everything. And I'm like, that's what I grew up with. So that's what I'm trying to model in my life. And it doesn't matter who I end up with. I'm not gonna change my values just because of my attractions. So this moment in the temple, when you kind of like see your husband and two kids, it sounds like it was a really peaceful moment. It was kind of weird afterwards. For because, sure. So at I that, can imagine that'd be very strange. Well, at that point in my life, I had given up on the dream of having a family. Mm -hmm. I had decided to stay in the church, but I thought I'm going to be celibate and that's fine. Like I can deal with it. The So before I was a member... I had a very, let's call it adventurous life. And when I became a member and then when I served my mission, it was like a switch just flipped in my life. So it was like, if I was able to change some things at this stage in my life, I can change some more things and I can be alone. Not alone, but like I can be single for the yeah. rest of my life. So I went to the temple with a complete different question in my heart and my mind that had nothing to do with family, had nothing to do with my orientation. So when I went into the place where I had this revelation or this vision, I actually just stood there. And it like my friend who was with me, my roommate, like had to touch my arm and kind of snap me out of it. And she's like, are you okay? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine. And then on the drive home is when like the image just kept replaying in my mind. And it just felt like it just felt right, but yeah. it was more like 
I feel loved. Yeah, I I, I love that. You felt loved. I just want to point that out because I think the fruits of the spirit are so important when you're making choices. And we've talked about like different options and, and people feel stuck. And, and in this point, you were like, I'm, I'm going to be single forever. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I guess I just want to highlight that, like, if you're getting answers from God, you'll feel peace. Yes. And I know a lot of people who um, enter relationships or stay single, whether it's with a guy or a girl, whoever, out of like a place of fear or anxiety. And it rarely do I see those relationships um, be healthy mm-hmm. or like built on like, they, yeah, they're just not healthy. And so I love that you did something that you didn't expect and that your path, I, I like, I, I love how kind of messy your path was to marriage where it was like you were dating girls, you were dating guys, you didn't know what you were. Then you're like, okay, I'll just be single. But like when you got the answer from God, it was clear. And it was peaceful. And I think that's important. Like, if you want to get the answers from God, like, they will come from peace. I'm just <laughs> reiterating. And if you feel anxious and, like, sick to your stomach about something or don't want to, like, perhaps maybe that's coming from a place of fear-based decision-making. I, I want to add, I also think a lot of the things that I had done or tried was not only that, like, fear to be alone that was making me do them, but also that fear of disappointing someone like sure. I had this list of like oh when I became a member these are the things that you do and you need to like put a check on all of them and then all the blessings will pour on your life and one of the core reasons that I accepted the gospel and was baptized was because the main difference that I saw in my life between my former religion and now becoming like LDS was that I could have a relationship with Heavenly Father and I didn't have to do things out of fear that was going to burn in hell or something like that. Like, I could do it because of love. That's cool. And he was going to be there for me and not in, like, this distant kind of, like, oh, you're there and I'm here and whenever you're merciful and remind me, you're going to come visit me or something like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, Liv, I'm so glad we're having you on today. So, fun fact, Charlie and I made a list of guests we wanted to have on, like, right when we started the podcast. You were on that list. And it's taken us three years. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost as long as it took me between that vision and meeting Matthew. So, we're good. (laughs) Yeah, the the vision is finally coming true. And also, I hope that people not just listen, don't just listen, but also watch the YouTube video because you are stunning today. Like, you have, like, the (laughs) most amazing dress on. Um, And the other thing I I, want to say is I feel like I feel like you and I are like best friends yes. because we've been in each other's orbits for so long and like have been interacting online, but we've actually seen each other very few times. Yeah. I was your fan for so long and I was always so scared to approach you. Really? Because I felt like, oh my gosh, it's Vanchelotti. <laughs> and it, then it became funny because when I met Matthew and I told him about like my world and how like out, out I was, um, and I told him about you. Matthew was like, his name is Ben Shillady, <laughs> not Ben Warratty. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, then I guess I'm just going to chill. And I think the first time we actually hang out, I took you to that Mexican it was so good. restaurant, yeah, it was um, so which is closed now, oh, unfortunately, no. but it's okay. You can always come to my house. So there's Mexican food all over. To Charlie. Not as good as mine, though. Of course. But yeah, I feel like we were moving in the same circles. I. I'm just going to I am a very honest, open person. I feel that there's still this huge divide 
between like the gay guys and the women mm-hmm. in like the LGBTQ community. And I feel like we're starting to reach that gap, hopefully. And and it's one of the reasons that I'm trying to like make more connections and talk to more people and stuff. Because at the end of the day, like our struggles are different, but we're still part of the same world and we can help each other. All right. So Liv, you had a very public coming out. <laughs> Yes. Being in a mixed orientation marriage, being queer. Tell us about this like public coming out that you had. So <laughs> this is a really funny story. Um, it was, I always forget, two years ago, three years ago. It was at least 2019 because it was before the pandemic. Yes, it was before the pandemic. Actually, it was the year, wait, no, 2019, I got married. Yes. And then 2020... I think it was 2021. Oh, maybe it was, maybe they had it online. Yes, it Uh was online. I remember it was 2021 because I was pregnant. Uh And I am chilling in my house. Well, I wasn't chilling. If you're my former employer. You were chilling. If if you're my former employer, I was working hard at home. (laughs) But um, I was at home and I get a text uh, from someone that works at church headquarters. And... Long story short, they were like, oh, we have um, sister Eubank who wants to talk to you. She's going to participate in BYU Women's Conference. And she's uh, she wants to talk to LGBTQ women and learn about their experience. So originally, they were going to interview us. And then sister Eubank was going to prepare her remarks for um, the conference. But I guess I'm like... A super stunning, impressive person. 100%. <laughs> and she decided to invite me uh, to actually go out with her and say who I am. And being queer is a fundamental part of who I am as a daughter of God. And that day... I, I just got old chills when you said <laughs> that. I love that. Like, that's so true. Well, the funniest thing is... You know when a lot of times people say in the church, like, oh, the Lord has prepared you for this moment. and Or when you're having a trial and they tell like, oh, this trial is meant for you to learn a lesson that you'll use at some point. But when you're going through the trials, you're like, I need a break. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be like, if you're preparing me, like, you're pre- because I'm your, like, strongest soldier, I'm a captain at this point. Like, I need a break. When that invitation happened, I really felt like, Everything had prepared me to that moment. A lot of times I had been ashamed. Not, I felt, and this is for all the Harry Potter fans, I felt like a half-blood or a, a, a mudblood. A sangre sucia. I know how to say yeah, that in Spanish. Yeah, a mudblood. English is hard. Which is but, an offensive term. So yeah. I'm sorry I've been said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I felt like that. Because I didn't go to seminary, I didn't go to young women's, I didn't go to young women's camp. I, like there were a lot of things that I felt I had missed out because I didn't grow up in the church. When this invitation happened, I was very firm that I wanted to use the word queer because that's what I, I felt comfortable with. That's how I identify as. And I had made the decision that if people were not comfortable with me using that term, I just wasn't going to participate. And how does that relate to me not growing up in the church? One, 
I had no idea the extent of BYU Women's Conference. I thought it was going to be like a classroom with 50 to 100 women, and we were all just going to chat and have a nice time. Not tens of thousands of people. Not tens of thousands of people. Not like the creme de la creme of the women of the church just there sitting next to me. But second... And you being one of them. And me being one of them. But also knowing that I don't idolize general authorities. Mm -hmm. Like I've seen people, and especially coming from Mexico, right? Like I feel if you grew up in Utah or you live in Utah, you probably run into an apostle when you go to DMV. But like (laughs) when you come from a Latin American country in which, well, technically Mexico is in North America, but we're not going to go into that. But coming from a foreign country in which you don't see the authorities as often. That's not like your day to day. You don't go to conference you every six months. Like, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like if I don't get to meet them or share space with them, I don't feel like I'm missing out anything in my life. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why, that's how I feel the Lord had prepared me because I was like, this is my true truth. If you like it and support it, great. And if you don't, I'm going to go on with my day. And I will forever grateful with Sister Eubank because she introduced me as her friend. Uh, full disclosure, that was like the third time I had <laughs> you could be talked friends. to her. But I like it, it was more like my aunt, you know? Like I really felt that like she was there for me, that she had my back, that she was interested in my story, and that she knew how important it was to be my true self on that stage. Now, that did come with a lot of implications, not only like people reaching out on Instagram or finding my Facebook and sending all kinds of messages, positive, negative, awful. um, But also, like, I was used to being out before being married, but now I have to navigate being out with someone who has a different personality than me and someone who fell in love with me and accepts me for who I am and my environment and everything, but might not be as familiar and is willing to like be on the spotlight all the time, every time. And a lot of times, especially since that event, people have come to us with very intrusive uh, questions. Like, it's not a secret that we had to do IVF to get pregnant. And one of the most, I don't want to say hurtful, but kind of hurtful questions that we received was someone who asked us if we did IVF because I didn't want to have intimacy with my husband because I'm attracted to women. And I was like, oh, of course, I spent around $18,000 to get pregnant just to not spend a night with the man that I fell in love with. Like, it's, it's Also, ridiculous. none of your business. Yeah, but like... <laughs> People feel that because you're out or public or something, like everyone in your life is out and exposed. And he's the man that I love and he's my husband and I also want to protect him. But at the same time, I feel like I have a duty and a responsibility and it's part of my calling as a daughter of God helping build Zion to share this part of my story. One of the... Yeah, we've kind of spent a couple of yeah, yeah, you know, As you were talking, I 
not everyone does this, but a lot of people tend to sexualize us. Yeah. Like if I say I'm gay, they immediately take that to sex when it's not. Like Always. It's, a, it's about so much, like my orientation, like that, there's reason I say orientation, not sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. And so that happens with, with couples who are in marriages like yours, where you're queer and your husband is straight. They immediately sexualize you. How do you two have sex? That's yeah. the first thing people go to. And, and like that's, that's just not fair to you. That's but, messed up. Especially... Or to my husband. Yeah. 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 yeah or but... to your family or your parents. Yeah. Like how, how many times, like if, if a straight couple gets married, are we like, hmm. Let's think about their sex life. Like that doesn't happen. It's like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome that you met someone that you love. You don't go to a straight couple and ask them, do you satisfy your partner? You don't. Right. Gosh, I hope you don't. (laughs) And if you do, stop. (laughs) Because it's not. If you do, we have some therapists we recommend. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I love like this kind of coming back to this question of like, how does coming out impact a marriage? Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like there's kind of like two rungs to it there's like how does coming out to my partner impact yeah the relationship and i love that you brought in this perspective of me being out publicly impacts us because we're a unit yeah and you're half of this unit and yeah that that's really annoying that there's these intrusive or sexualized questions about something really personal from strangers yeah and i realized i just gave someone some really bad advice two days ago <laughs> Um, someone had said like, like he's gay and he wants to come out publicly, but he's like, I think I'm, I want to marry a woman still. Uh, this, this is the BYU student is like, and so if I come out, then that might make it harder to find someone to marry. And I was like, honestly, I could think of like five people I could marry right now. Like you'll be fine. Like you'll find someone to marry. But I hadn't considered the impact that that would have on the spouse. Well, but it's true though. Like that, that's what you get. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know if that's bad advice. It's just it's just realistic. Like coming out does impact your life and your relationships. It does mm-hmm. for really wonderful ways and from some really annoying ways. I think it's really important for people to learn to set boundaries, right? And also the way that you go into the relationship is going to have an impact on how much you coming out really interferes or helps you grow or demolishes you right like in my case I came out to Matthew right after our first date and it was really interesting because he outed me to his family and like mom I'm dating a lesbian (laughs) (laughs) I I think I don't even know how like if you have you haven't met Matthew Charlie but Ben has and he's a very like blonde straightforward yeah. person yeah <laughs> and i don't know how it happened i just know that it happened and i can i can hear like it is my thing like what's the problem it's the truth yeah like, <laughs> like why, well, would they, why would they care she's queer it's what it is. you're attracted to a woman so um but what then we had a conversation about it and i explained to him it was because i i was upset that he did it and he was like well you're very out people know you've done this you've done that blah, blah, blah. and i was like yes but I hadn't prepared you for all the questions that you were going to get. And you're someone that I care about, and I don't want you to get hurt because of who I am. So we, in the future, like we need to work together so that you know how to answer or how to decline questions, right? Because a lot of people ask him, like, are you sure she's attracted to you? How did she fell in love with you? Um, the intimacy, the intimacy questions. Um, do you think she's gonna leave you for a woman? 
what's going to happen in the future? Are you going to tell your kids? Are you going to have kids? Like there's all this list of, or my favorite. Well, I have a friend who was in a mixed orientation marriage and got divorced and now she's married to a woman. And I'm like, guess what? I know a ton of straight (laughs) friends who had gotten divorced and are married to other people now. Like, and again, I don't go to someone. Did you know that my parents are divorced and remarried? (laughs) That's because they're straight. How dare you? (laughs) Well, but I always circle back to the way the Lord prepared me, right? Like my parents are not a member. Well, my mom is technically a member of the church. She's only a member on paper, but I think they have- That's where it counts. It, well, I'm like, <laughs> but I'm like, I truly believe my parents have an eternal marriage. And I know what the doctrine says, and I know the requirements and ceilings and blah, 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 blah. But I look at them and I see two people who love each other, who support each other. My mom has had five different types of cancer, and my dad has stuck by her side. And not just like, well, we're married, I'm going to deal with it, but more like, I love you and I'm going to be with her. And the idea of a marriage not being forever was introduced to me when I found the church. Like, I know what the Catholic church... You just assumed that marriage was Well, forever. yeah, because yeah. my understanding... I know what the Catholic ceremony says, and it says, till death... Till death, you part. Just, there's your part, right? Mm-hmm. I know all these things in Spanish, I swear. But... In my understanding was before that part, it talks about supporting each other and like through challenges and sickness and all that until that chills you apart. So the way my head understood it was you're going to be there each other for the trials of the flesh until you die, because then you die and you're not going to be sick anymore. And then you're going to be together forever. Mm, So... I never even like questioned the idea of not being part of a family. So then seeing that and now seeing my marriage, I'm like, I know there's a lot of questions and a lot of things that people might not understand. But the boundary that Matthew and I had said is even though I'm super public and everything, we decide who we talk with about in like a one-on-one setting or like today on the podcast and on those settings because some people are truly wanting to learn some might be this guy's lgbtq people they're like oh no i'm an ally but they're trying to figure out for themselves mm-hmm. but there are some people that are just wanting to be entertained and Is that, there's curious yes like there there's there's not really the desire to learn um, so we need to distinguish that and then only we only engage in conversations in which we feel like people are really trying to be and do better with their environment, with their own families. And with our families, we also like we're always there for questions. We have everything in our family. We have people who have never been members of the church, people who have left the church, people that are sort of in the church and people that are full in the church. And it's just funny because, for example, my mother-in-law, um, what after the event of BYU Women's Conference, someone approached her and was like, hey, we heard Livia at this event, and she said she's queer. Uh, no, they said it in Relief Society. But we think she meant she's quirky. 
Because oh. <laughs> you live <know, man. laughs> And I just love that we might not always see eye to eye in regards to the church, but she was like, no, she meant queer. She like, it was like the wrong English word. Yes, <laughs> like oh, she got lost in translation. I'm like, I might not know all the words, I but know I know one. queer. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's interesting to see how people also evolve, right? And my father and mother-in-law were probably one of the first people that were like, uh, how does this work? And is yeah. she married to you? I remember a couple of times she asked me, like, do you really think you can be happy in a marriage like this? Are you doing it because it's what the church is asking you to do? And Which are good questions for self-introspection. Yeah, like, I, and at that point, it goes back to, I wanted Matthew to be ready to answer that, those questions mm -hmm. because I had years to think about those questions, mm -hmm. and he hadn't. Right. Well, and I feel like those aren't bad questions to ask at the right time in the right space, you know, like, that when when you're bringing families together, it seems like there's always like, do you, are you gonna take care of my daughter? Are you gonna work? Do you want to be a mom? Like families are always checking for compatibility mm -hmm. because they like are overinvested and care a lot, which is like nice. And I I do think it's interesting. Like I love that you're bringing up this idea of you being queer impacts not just your relationship but the entire family dynamic mm -hmm. with like in-laws and extended family as well. Um, so do you feel like, ha like, your future in-laws asking those questions was an overstep or like how how could they have done it better or what did they do good as they were trying to f come to terms with it themselves i think it was too early in our relationship to address those questions so you've been on like a date or two they're <laughs> yes. trying to like damage control before there's any problem so it was like i don't even well, i mean I had had that feeling like, oh, this is the man I'm going to marry. But there were a lot of things that I still had to figure out, right? And I think it's real. One of the main things for me is that I was able, like, I could tell that it was important for Matthew, and I think it's important for anyone, to feel appreciated and to feel like the person that you're into, like, notices your haircut well if you know matthew i probably wouldn't know this his haircut. <laughs> is he bald <laughs> not no. bald bald but it's he's getting cut. there um i think our baby has a little bit more hair than him <laughs> but like you like that right like i like people noticing that i put on lipstick or men noticing my dress even though i'm not into men yeah. but it's like, a beautiful dress i'm into your dress <laughs> but like that's important so i was still like trying to figure out that in our relationship and me being queer is not the only, like I call our marriage or our relationship a double whammy marriage because we are two different attractions, like orientations, but we're also two different cultures. Yeah. So it's like navigating all those spaces. And then I feel obligated to answer the questions that other people have about our relationship when I still don't know. I also remember when I, I a couple of weeks after we started dating, I came out to my ward on testimony meeting. I did it. I've never been like, hey, I'm gay, like on the pulpit, but I've thrown enough hints for people to understand what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And that Sunday, Matthew comes, comes over to my house. He's like, hey, we're having dinner with my grandma and my mom's visiting because his, his parents lives, live in California. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Uh, tell me more about your grandma. He's like, oh, she's German. I'm like, oh, you've said enough. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I feel bad, but I stereotype her. And I was like, I'm so nervous. We get in the car and I'm like, okay, which way does your grandma live? And he's like, oh, five blocks up that way. And my first thought was like, we're in the same ward. I came out to my ward today. Oh. I haven't had a chance to talk to her. What am I going to do? How am I going to address it? She probably thinks I'm crazy. Like, it's an older generation. She's German. Like, I, I, I don't know what to do. Luckily, wards in Utah are tiny. So she was right outside our boundary and had no idea what had happened. And at a later time, I addressed her with her and everything. But, like, I think it's just the fear of being caught off guard mm. and not knowing how to address it because also each person's gonna respond different right some people might be like oh yeah cool like you're still in love with my son we'll move on but some other people might be more conservative and think like oh you shouldn't even say queer you should say this other term that i'm not even gonna repeat so as you've been talking uh, tell me if this analogy is correct so you felt like like clear heaven sent inspiration to to be in this marriage Similarly, like I felt inspiration to like go on a mission, and I knew that was the right thing. Yet it was complex. It was a complex thing, complicated, also wonderful, but I had some really hard times. And I'm hearing you say like like you know this marriage is the right thing for you, and yet sometimes there are these complexities and these difficulties that pop up in it. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And one thing that bothers me a lot, and that I've discussed with Matthew, is that people assume that our challenges as a marriage are because I'm attracted to women. Mm. So that like is the biggest thing right or i went well, no it's because your husband is blonde <laughs> it's because we didn't know what color eyes my baby was gonna have <laughs> um, but like when you are merging two families you're merging two different cultures it, i mean in our case literally right like i'm mexican he's um american he grew up eating roulade for the holidays i grew up eating tamales like, there's all these little nuances, and we play a constant game of charades because I don't know the name of a lot of kitchen <laughs> instrument things. But, like... It's called a whisk. Yes. <laughs> the, like, balloon thingy with wires. But, like... <laughs> but, like, you're, you're merging them, right? And... The balloon thing with wires. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um... It's a blend... That is not going to happen overnight or even the way in which you react and address things. Yeah. And, and and so people view you like they they reduce your marriage to you being queer. Yeah. Or like they see like I say I went on a trip with a group of friends. Um, there was like I think like 15 of us all girls. And I was telling another friend like, oh, yeah, I'm going on this trip with this girls. Blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking I'm going to have a blast. I'm super excited. Is Matthew worried that something's going to happen? Like you're going on a trip with all women and you're leaving him behind with your baby. And I'm like, if he were worried, like, I just feel like people think I wake up and I say, I'm going to be super gay today and not discuss with my husband any of my life decisions and just go on and do whatever I want. I don't like, and I feel that if you're married to gay or straight or whatever, it's not based on communication, then you have bigger problems than my orientation. So, like, I always discuss things with him. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a soundbite right there. Well, like, I always talk to him. Like, even I'm involved in a couple of organizations. I, 
I'm involved with Lift and Love and help with their um, women's support group I'm, and the board for Emeas. And when we have meetings, like sometimes we have meetings Sunday and then Monday and then Tuesday. And I usually sit with Matthew and I'm like, hey, these are the meetings that I have for the week. How do you feel? Like, can you take Lucian to swimming lessons while I do this one meeting? That way you don't feel like I'm taking away time from our relationship. And sometimes he tells me like, hey, I feel like you, like we need to take like take a break from the gay world and let's do something as a family. And sometimes we sit together and watch RuPaul. Like it's it's about a balance and just as much as he's learning about my world, I am learning about his world. Like I had no idea that Quetzalcoatl was, was like one of the largest pterodactyls or I'm probably butchering this and he's gonna kill me when he hears it. But like I there's Wait, isn't Quetzalcoatl the feathered serpent from Central America? No, that that's Quetzalcoatl. Uh, what did you say? Quetzalcoatlus. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, got it. Yeah. No, no, no. Quetzalcoatl is... Is the feathered serpent the god. The feathered serpent god. And because of that inspiration, they, they named, named Quetzalcoatl. Gotcha. It is not a dinosaur, though. It's a raptor? It's a... It's a bird. Pterodactyl. Yes. yes. Oh. Um, and I think a pterodactyl is a genre, like a subcategory of dinosaur, but I really don't know. There's no, there's <laughs> no way... I, I talked to them because there's no way we know what dinosaurs actually look like. Anyway, <laughs> you, need, you need to be Matthew, but anyway, back to Matthew's world. Uh, yeah, that's Matthew's world, but like but we don't get it either. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it. I just feel like people need to understand that. Yes, I am very vocal about being queer. I am very active in the community. I introduced Matthew to his first trans friend, and now my group of lesbian friends has embraced Matthew as one of the lesbians. Oh, lesbians would love him. <laughs> Yeah, he's a little scared of gay guys because he's not very touchy. And we went to an event once in which people, like, guys kept coming to him and trying to hug him and touch him and stuff. And he was like, yeah, that's not my world. But, like, it's... Not everyone's like that. No, no, no. I'm not that, very touchy That either. was his experience. Yeah. Uh, but, like... Ben? Being, <laughs> ben being queer me. is not... On the arm. <laughs> don't worry I am farming but this is my battery I'm not touching Matthew if you're hearing this I'm not touching anyone um, but yeah like I just feel people need to understand that if anything being queer and going into a marriage being clear about that helped us know in advance what were some things that we might have to work more on or invest more time on instead of like finding out that's cool because in a way it's like a, a a place a space where you have to really communicate and so you practice communication and i imagine that in some ways your relationship is a lot stronger because you've developed really good habits yeah. in order to like make sure things are working with your different orientations and different cultures yeah like i know we said i don't like being like reduced to sexuality but I'm like, how many couples actually feel comfortable when they go into their marriage? Talking about it. Talking about it. Discussing their needs, their wants, their their everything. And I'm not saying like, talk about it when like, you just got engaged and got a ring on your finger, right? Whenever you feel comfortable. But we knew that might have been, that was probably going to be something in which we were going to have to communicate better to see what we were into. And at the end of the day, any couple having intimacy has to discover each other like 
I feel it's like food, right? I can say I like Mexican food, but maybe I don't like certain dishes or I don't like how certain person cooks it. And attractions, I feel like are the same. I happen to be attracted to my husband and there are things that I really enjoy doing with him and being with him and stuff. But there are also certain moments in my life in which I'm like, you know what? I just want to sit next to you. Like, just give me some space, respect my bubble, and I'll do the same for you. And that doesn't mean I love you less. But then I know I have to balance it out mm-hmm. with mention like, oh, you know what? You're, you look great on that shirt today. And it's honest. And I really think so. I just... It really is a handsome I, shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Liv, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I guess I just did. Um, <laughs> so what do you say to people who say, you know, Liv, we don't care that you're queer, but why do you have to talk about it? You know, if you're happily married to a man, <laughs> seal the table, because like, why do you have to talk about it? Well, a lot of people have told me that I can pass as straight if I don't come out, right? And I'm like, well, I could technically also pass as wide if I don't talk and you don't hear my accent and my amazing personality. But that doesn't mean that it's going away or that it's not part of who I am. Or that it shouldn't be shared. Or that it shouldn't be shared, right? Like, I think also people feel that, oh, you're out. She's probably going to want to bring him to the conversation again every single time. Or like I mentioned, right? Like, I mentioned in my testimony, but I found ways that work for me that I feel that are still respectful in what I consider respectful. But that would get the message across to someone in the congregation that might need it. And there's, I want to read something. Um, One of the main reasons that I keep coming out, because I feel every time is new, it's because there's still a lot of people out there that not only are living, feeling lonely, but are dying, feeling lonely. After the BYU um, Women's Conference, there was a girl that approached me. Um, she found me on social media. She doesn't live in the States. And she sent me a message and we became friends and she was really struggling with her family. And she passed away about a year ago. And before she passed away, like I think like a couple days before it, um, we we form a, a WhatsApp group with her and another friend and me. And we all like, they both found me because of that um, talk. And she sent us a letter that she had written for her family. And I don't know if this letter made it to her parents, uh, but I would like to read. Um, Please. She was also your fan. Awesome. Um, Just a a portion of what she wrote, she said, for many years, I felt like the worst human being that had been on this earth. I felt dirty, unworthy, just because of the fact that I could not change myself. I prayed to Heavenly Father long nights, begging to take this away. And other nights to not be here anymore, because for me, it was easier to not be here than to stay in a world, in a body that felt so dirty. It was then that I 
fell in this hole in, that I couldn't dig myself out of and I wanted to die. And my only, my only salvation was talking, was talking to someone about this for the first time. I don't want anyone to have to write something like this ever again. And I know that there's people right now out there feeling this way. And I wish I could travel around the world and meet all these beautiful human beings and tell them that they're loved and that we are fighting for them. We're not just fighting for ourselves. Um, she closed her letter saying that she addresses specifically to her mom. And she said, every time I will leave the house, you give me a kiss and say, don't forget who you are. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to stop feeling like a foreign being in my own family. Someone that lives to please others. I'm trying to be the person that I hid for years. And that is not a synonym for lust. That is not a sin. That is a synonym of courage. Courage that I saw and learned from you. Yeah. And even though she's not here anymore, um, she's, she's in my heart. And I think about her every time that I need to be courageous and every time that I feel like giving up and every time that I hear something from a leader or from a member that I'm just like, I don't feel that's what Jesus would say. Like, I am convinced that Heavenly Father would never let us treat each other like this. If he, like, could be here right next to us, and he would have heard those words. I just thinking how she prayed to, to change and to have this taken away from her. There's a reason why he didn't take it away because she was beautiful. She is beautiful and she was perfect and she deserved to feel loved. Yeah. You know, I heard you say again and again, like coming out while married is, is a messy thing. And yet it matters because there are people who feel broken and you can help someone feel seen. And I hope you get to travel all around Latin America <laughs> and just tell people they're loved. That'd be amazing. Let's, I'll all, try. let's all do it together. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Well, one of the things that we're trying to do is this other friend that um, was in the group and I are starting our own project in Spanish to translate all of this like resources, but also share our experiences with our communities in our own language. Like a lot of times I joke, right? Like, oh, I don't know what a whisk was. I actually learned what a whisk was like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but imagine, like if we think that in the U.S. we have limited resources, in Spanish countries, we don't even have like 10% of the podcasts, the books, the everything that we have here. Like, we're so far behind. Like, I know words in Mexico in which you still get released because you get a pixie haircut as a woman. Yeah. I feel like they've never seen a photo of the primary presidency or the Relief Society because they all have short hairs a lot of the time. But like, we really need to work to have like people like just learn and do better and be better. 
I I said earlier when I moved here and didn't have my family, I wanted my work to be my family and it didn't it didn't feel like that. So now I'm building my own family and mm-hmm. I'm building it with Matthew and our baby, but I'm also building it with all the people that are touching my life and that I hope I'm touching theirs so that we can spread all this love and like multiply it and just get to every corner on earth and every language and really like do what we were called to do to follow Christ. Like we're planning on moving and someone um, told me like, oh, well, we're not going to be able to help you. And I was like, I don't care. I have a group of lesbians. They're willing to jump in and bring their U-Hauls. They're used to it. And they're going to help us move. And I was like, that group of friends that are seen by a lot of people, like, oh, they're not worthy. They don't have their temple recommended. They're going to church on Sunday. In five minutes, we're more willing to lend us a hand with something as simple as a move than other people that are righteous and there on Sunday and have callings and everything. So everyone and anyone can work towards being Christ-like. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter who you're attracted to. It doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married. It doesn't matter where you are. Like the light of Christ is not gonna be stopped or shadowed by someone or some people that are trying to cover it because we're going to shine wherever we are like a diamond <laughs> thanks Liv Charlie what are you thinking I'm just I loved all of that <laughs> I, that was the soapbox that I want you to keep standing on thank you that's really beautiful yeah Liv you know, so your parents aren't members aren't members of the church how do they feel about you being queer uh it depends <laughs> so my parents well you serve your mission in Chihuahua uh-huh. my dad is from Chihuahua <gasps> oh wow and He's the stereotypical Chihuahua guy. He's a cowboy. He's a cowboy. Um, he actually, people were making fun of Chihuahua me. Chihuahua's like the Texas of Mexico. But better. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, he likes um, Norteño, which would be like country music, like bump to data to data and everything. Um, he's not like, his dad died when he was very little, so he didn't grow up with a father, like, a father figure they went through a lot of hardship so he's a very like i don't cold like reserved mm-hmm. man and then my mom she's from sinaloa so she she's like that's the coast yeah that's the coast yeah. that's like women have to be like curvy like uh-huh. curvy and makeup and fancy and she always has she always wears red lipstick and bling on her super long nails like that's how i remember my mom like like she's still alive but like that's the image that comes to my mind when i think of her so when i i came out to my mom on christmas day well christmas eve technically but in mexico we usually do everything christmas eve Christmas Eve. Yeah. yeah um i remember i was visiting i was like laying in bed ready to go to sleep and she comes and sits next to me and she's like, oh, well, I've been thinking and I feel that 
maybe if you didn't talk to guys about how much you've traveled and how smart you are and how you have a law degree and even maybe if you lose, lost some weight, like maybe it would work out. And she just kept going and like listing all my mom. <laughs> and I was like, is this supposed to make me feel better? Because <laughs> it's not working. But I'm, I've always been very prideful and it's something that I'm working on. I'm nicer in English. Probably because I can't be as passionate because I don't know the words. But like in Spanish, I'm kind of sassy and like, yeah. So when she kept going on and on and on and on, I was like, mom, maybe it's not working because I'm not attracted to guys. And she's like, silence and gasped and scared. Turned into a telenovela. And she couldn't believe it. She was like, you had boyfriends and this and that. And I was like, well, yes, but... I like at that point I had learned what was attractive physically in a guy and I, I'm not gonna lie I, I've always been attracted to people that are like um, ambitious and smart and passionate and yada 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 yeah keep describing us Liz. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like mom well this is how I feel I've known it for a while and I expected my mom to react different because some as a, like my mom has had some sort of diseases I can't remember right so growing up we couldn't afford a sitter and she would all like my sister or other people would help out and stuff and one of the people that I remember the most was this guy who would um sew customs for drag queens and it was always this like flamboyant stuff and feathers and ringstones and everything and I was like five years old seeing guys dressing up as women and performing like you're probably not going to know what this artist, but like but like Mexican women singers and stuff and the wigs and everything. And I was never told that there was something wrong about it. So fast forward, I was like, if my mom was cool with that, then she should be cool with me being attracted to a woman. No, she wasn't. So she there was this stereotype. Right. Of like, well, if you're attracted to a woman, you're probably going to wear pants all the time and, and sneakers and you're oh. going to let yourself go. And, <laughs> and like, she's lipstick and nails. no more <laughs> lipstick, no more nails. And like, and then she was worried because at that point, when I came out to her, I was already a member of the church and she knew how important marriage was in the church and how conservative the members of our ward were. So she was terrified of what was going to happen to me. Oddly enough, I was always the girl that had the gay friend and I was always the first person they would come out to. So I think like she should have known like earlier, but um, she was more like, well, I don't know what you're going to do and I'm worried. And it's just, you, you don't have to say it. Just don't say it and don't cause drama and like move on with your life. With my dad, I have never told him directly um my dad and i have the kind of relationship that we can sit next to each other for like three hours and not say anything to each other and then we're like well oh, this was a great father-daughter time <laughs> and uh but my dad communicates with music so uh <laughs> i love my dad okay he doesn't have the best memory but i love my dad so one of the time i was visiting mexico my birthday's in October, and he organized a birthday party for me for my birthday in September. 
That's close. <laughs> to this point, I don't know if he just got confused. But anyway, he organized this birthday party. It was unicorn-themed. We have a piñata and, like, unicorn centerpieces and joy, like, the, the whole thing. And he loves karaoke, so he starts singing this song in karaoke from one of the, like, one of the bands that sings the most, like, um, mm. cartel songs uh-huh. and stuff. So, like, those were machos and super powerful. And the song, it's called She Was Different. And in Spanish, um, mm. pigeon, it, the word is different if it's female or male. Mm-hmm. So it's paloma if it's female and then palomo if it's male, right? And It also means dove. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I was told that dove were like fancy pigeons. Yeah, they are. They're like, it. They're anyway. Well, I, would, I don't want to say paloma is more dove, and that's okay. prettier too. Yeah, but it means, okay. it means both. Means dove well, like pure the point is that there's two, yeah. right? Yeah. So then the song says, um, "I'm gonna read it because I is it okay if I read it in Spanish? And yeah, I, read it in Spanish. Not we can talk okay. about English. So in Spanish it says, "Dice que el vuelo ideal es paloma y palomo, y les parece rara otra forma de amor." Yo solo pienso que existen corrientes de aire y cada quien que aspire su viento mejor. So in English you would say, and this is between Google Translate and me, but it says, they say that the ideal flight is female pigeon and male pigeon or dove and pigeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and another form of love seems strange to them. I only think that there are drafts and each person um has to breathe in in like whichever way they want or like whichever way is better for them and when he sang that he's singing this to you he's singing this to me at my birthday and then the song says more about like she was different she would buy flowers for her best friend and the guys in the neighborhood would fight over her and she would not like pay attention and he's singing this and i see him like tear up and I've only seen my dad cry like three times in my life. And if we look at each other, it was kind of the, I know that you know, but we don't have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also very important because that's I'll, really cute. I, a lot of times people feel like I need to have this serious conversation to come out and deal with like all of this, blah, blah, blah. blah. But to me, that interaction meant like, he loves his daughter. He doesn't care if I wear lipstick or not, if, like, what kind of lesbian I am, who I marry, anything. He just wanted me to know that I'm loved, and he communicated that in his own way. And I think as LGBTQ individuals, we also have to be respectful and mindful of that. We go through a lot. I don't want to minimize that. But we also usually have way more time to process and communicate those things. And then when we come out to our loved ones, they might react like this. Or the first person I came out to, uh, my friend Amy, I will never forget, and I share this story all the time. She showed up at my apartment in Salt Lake. It was snowing. I opened the door, and I'm crying. I'm a mess. And I'm like, I am into women. And she's holding Little Caesar's pizza and then Coke and Flaming Hot Cheetos. And she's like, I like warm pizza. Can I come in? 
<laughs> and she came in and we talked and then she told me about um, some LGBTQ members and her family and it just made me feel like maybe it's not the end of the world. Maybe there's people that love me that it, this is not going to change who they are in my life and who I am in their life. I was really worried, for example, when I came out to my sister, how are we going to tell my niece? How are we going to address this? But I also wanted to be respectful. I was like, I'm not going to go to Michelle and be like, hey, Michelle, I like to make out with women. Like, because I felt my sister had that responsibility and she had to address it with her. And then we could have a conversation, right? And now it's gotten to a point in which my sister reaches out and tells me, hey, uh, Michelle told me this about this person in school. She's feeling this way, this other way. Someone came out to her. She doesn't know what to do. And we have these conversations, but like, it's really important to be respectful and mindful. And also, even if you're fully out, you can still choose not to have that conversation mm -hmm. with someone for whatever reason. It's your life. Uh, Liv, thank you so much for being on. I'm, we wanted to have you on for like three years, and I'm glad we did. <laughs> um, and I've just respected you for a long time and respect you even more, and I'm really glad we're friends. And when you told me that you and your friend were, you and your friend were going to start a podcast in Spanish, uh, I was so excited. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, you know, people, you know, since Charlie and I both speak Spanish, people are like, you should do episodes in Spanish. I've always felt like that's not it's our not role. Us. That's not yeah. our role. <laughs> that's not for us to yeah, do. Yeah, and you'll do that. Yes. And we already... Um, she's going through some stuff, so we decided to hold the lounge a little bit until we're both in a good place. It's coming out. Do you mind if I share the name? No, please. Because I just love the name. Um, it's Preguntas del Navario. Just questions for the closet. We actually thought about that name, and I was like, it's too close. Um, I don't wanna, because we went through so many. Uh, I know I sent it to. You. But of course, my interest falling. But it's called Hermanas de la Ultima Banca, Sisters of the. Technically, will be the last, the last, the bench. last row, the last row. Yes, and it's because a lot of times when you don't feel comfortable and you still want to go to church, you go and sit in a corner. And we want to make sure that everyone knows that if we could be there physically with them, we would sit with them. But since we can't be there physically, That's cute. we'll be through our podcast and we'll help them just navigate this space that it can be messy, mm -hmm. but it's worth it. I can't wait for that. I think that's going to do a lot of good. Me too. Yeah. Thank you, Liv. Yeah. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Thank you for joining us today. If you have enjoyed this or other episodes, please consider leaving a review, following us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Questions from the Closet, or sharing this podcast with someone you love. And as always, please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Brigham Young University. We're not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard three perspectives and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of experiences. If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until, Until next time. time.